welcome to the Skin Series. I'm Danika. And I'm Haley, And we're here to chat all things skin. As clinical naturopaths and corneotherapists, we want to share our knowledge and passion for helping people heal their skin conditions in a holistic way. Join us for a deep dive into debunking beauty myths, how your gut, hormones, diet and lifestyle factors influence your skin and our unique philosophy on how to care for your skin topically. As always, this advice is general and not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before beginning any treatments. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode six. So this is part two of external drivers of acne. So if you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you do that first because it kind of sets the scene and explains how acne is formed. So in this episode, we'll be chatting about the different types of acne. So let's start with the open comedone, which is commonly referred to as blackhead, which means the follicle is partially clogged with oil and oxygen can still interact with it, which turns the oil into that dark color. So because oxygen can reach these open comedones, they don't often turn into pustular or inflamed acne. Yeah, and just a point on that, I want to differentiate between blackheads and sebaceous filaments. So we naturally have a higher amount of oil production coming through the T-zone, through the nose and on the chin. And a lot of people think those black dots through that section are blackheads. And they definitely are not. So they are a normal skin structure. They're called sebaceous filaments. Um, And a blackhead or an open comedone is a plug at the top of the pore. And this is going to cause inflammation, block pore, and it's a type of acne. Whereas sebaceous filaments is your natural oil production from your nose T-zone area, wherein the oil has turned black from its contact with oxygen, causing oxidization. So the amount of oil determined is from your genes and also your hormones. So this is a natural occurrence. And this is why I say to clients, don't squeeze those little black dots. Um, You'll just do more damage than good. But there are things that we can do to help reduce the appearance of the sebaceous filaments. So we can help reduce that excess oil production and then also use antioxidants to help prevent the oxidization. So this will improve the overall look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And appearance. And that's why I like using those pore strip things over your nose are essentially sometimes just pulling oil out of your nose and not actually pulling what you may think of blackheads, but it's just oil. Yeah. So, so the second type of acne is closed comedones, which are completely clogged follicles, and we get little white heads on the surface. So this happens when our white blood cells are doing their job of combating the excess C acne bacteria. And this action creates a pus. So when you see this happen, I know it's tempting, but please don't pick at it because it is a sign that the healing is actually nearly over and the whitehead will disappear on its own. If you pick at it, you are likely to spread the bacteria into a neighboring follicle and then cause another pimple. So the most severe form of acne are cysts. And this is when there is no head to the acne. There is just a usually a hardened bump um, on the skin under the surface. And this is caused when the infection has spread underneath the skin and there is an excess amount of pus. So we usually see cystic acne that is driven by a hormonal imbalance. 
Now with these types of acne lesions, you should never attempt to squeeze or pop these because they don't have a head to come out of the surface. So what you'll do is you'll most likely make the pus explode underneath the skin and it will transfer to the follicle next to it and create more cysts underneath and also scarring. So this type of acne really needs to be treated professionally with both internals and externals looked at. Yeah, and I think the way you describe that will probably make sure that no one ever <laughs> squeezes their Pus exploding. Pus exploding <laughs> underneath the skin. Okay, if that's not enough to turn you off, squeezing your cystic acne, I don't know what is. <laughs> and another form of acne, there's something called fungal acne. So fungal acne, like the name suggests, is caused by an overgrowth of fungus, yeast, on the skin. So fungi loves to eat fatty acids. So it can occur commonly on the oily parts of the face or more common in oilier skin types. So areas that it occurs in hairline, forehead, chest, back are some really common areas. Fungal folliculitis, what's happened is the yeast has burrowed deep down in the hair follicle, causing inflammation. And it's more common in, say, humid environments. So in Sydney, we get a really humid summer. So um, sometimes I see an, an increase in fungal acne during that time for people that sweat a lot, for people that exercise a lot. And it can be stemming from a yeast called Candida or a common yeast called Melastasia. So working on the skin's immune system can really help prevent fungal overgrowth and really going in and repairing the microbiome of the skin. Because if we don't have enough good bacteria on the skin, then it can allow pathogenic, well, you know, uh, fungal overgrowth to occur. So this can happen when people use topical antibiotics on the skin because antibiotics will always work on the bacteria of the skin and also things like topical steroids as well and in immune compromised people too. Another thing we also want to be aware of is to be cautious of putting certain oils on the skin. One such called oleic acid, which is commonly found in coconut oil, which we've spoken about on the previous podcast, as that can actually feed a fungal overgrowth. And I think a good way to recognize if you do have a fungal overgrowth, especially in those areas, like like you mentioned, the hairline, is that it's also itchy as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so that's when we can kind of distinguish whether we're looking at normal open or closed comedones or more fungal if you get that itchy, hot feeling with your acne. Yeah, and it can definitely present in the hair follicle. So if it's little raised inflammation inside the hair follicle that can be another indication that it's also fungal as well and it can be quite itchy yeah um, and not necessarily as like white head pussy we normally it's more no, kind of inflamed yeah inflamed more inflamed. yeah yeah and if a client comes in with a fungal folliculitis i'm usually also questioning is there an internal yeast overgrowth as well um, so I'm asking questions around, you know, do they get thrush commonly? Um, have they had other types of fungal conditions on their skin, like something like tinea versicolor or athlete's foot? And or then dandruff. It, or dandruff, yeah, yeah. I always ask around, you know, do they get an itchy scalp? Do they get dandruff? So those kind of can be sometimes interlinking with each other. Mm -hmm. And with acne, all kind of types, depending on how you've treated it, we can see scarring occur afterwards. So this is because when there is trauma to the skin, so like when you pick or pop a pimple, you rip the surrounding skin when it explodes. <laughs> 
very visual. <laughs> and it creates lots of little tears. So when this happens, white blood cells and collagen rush to repair the wound. Um, because your skin wants to repair it really quickly, it binds the collagen together in a bit of a messy woven way that looks different to the skin surrounding it. And it can often be raised. In some instances, though, when the body doesn't have sufficient cofactors to build enough collagen, like vitamin A, C, and E in the skin, then you can actually get atrophic scars, which actually dip into the skin, and they can be sometimes called ice pick or box scars. So I know how tempting it can be to pick and touch, but please don't. Let it just go through its natural healing process. Your skin is very smart. It is healing itself when it's showing those signs of, um, you know, whiteheads. And if you if you do have acne scars, though, don't worry. I have them too from my picking days. I have, I have my fair share of scars. But we can do skin needling, which we can actually go in and restructure the collagen so that it lays flat with the skin. So Yeah, it's amazing yeah. treatment. We can break up that um, scar tissue and lay down new collagen elastin. And you might also be thinking, well, I don't pick my acne sometimes even just the severity of the cystic breakout can get down into the dermis and break down that collagen elastin itself so um, definitely not picking will help it but then sometimes even if you don't pick it you can end up with scarring as well Mm -hmm. and another side effect of acne lesions is the post-inflammatory pigmentation so they can be you know brown purple pinky marks that get left behind post breakout and for some people they can hang around for weeks and they can hang around for months so I like to explain that um, to clients as well so when there's trauma to your follicle this sends a signal to your melanocyte which makes our pigment um, to transfer um, melanosomes into our keratinocyte and um, go up to the surface of the follicle and provide an almost like an umbrella um, to prevent that follicle from getting further UV damage. So that mark is actually a way of your skin protecting its own follicle um, from the sun, which mm-hmm. is quite cool. Mm-hmm. And this is why I always recommend sunscreen every day for my acne clients so we can help prevent that post-inflammatory pigmentation from happening as well. Um, and again, if you're picking at your breakouts, then you're going to be increasing that pigment response to so yeah and I know a lot of my acne clients can be a little bit scared of sunscreen because a lot of sunscreens do use comedogenic ingredients but the range that we use is non-comedogenic and beautiful on your skin and really skin protective so it's just you know researching and finding that brand that's going to work for you rather than avoiding sunscreen altogether exactly (laughs) exactly so now we've put a question box on our instagram for any questions our listeners had on acne or any myths to bust and we actually got a few back so we'll go through them now so maria asked if you have acne does it mean your skin is dirty definitely not so if anything having acne could mean your skin is actually over cleaned And you may be over cleansing, over exfoliating and stripping your natural oils, which can impact desquamation, which we spoke about in our previous episode. Um, So I I know sometimes some of my clients, they feel like they need to scrub their face clean when they have acne, but it definitely doesn't mean your skin is dirty at all. 
So Amanda asked, I've got dry skin and acne. I thought acne only happens to oily skin. Ooh, good question. We spoke about this particular topic in episode five. So definitely go back and listen to episode five on the difference between oily skin type acne and lipid dry acne. But yeah, it's not true. All skin types can develop acne. Oily skin types are more prone to acne caused by blockages from excess sebum, which can be intensified, of course, by hormonal changes. But lipid dry skin types can also develop acne by not using the right skincare and having issues with enzyme function due to low water content and desquamation. So that sounds like a lot, um, but it's all explained in episode five. I was going to say, if you're like, what is desquamation? Just listen to our previous episode. (laughs) It sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah said, does getting sun and a tan on my face help to clear up acne? Very good question. Yes. And I personally am very guilty of doing and thinking this before I knew a lot better. So uh, going off from what Haley mentioned before about the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So there's a few reasons why this is yeah, not good because getting, uh, getting UV on your face causes DNA damage, which can lead to cells miscommunicating with each other and not functioning properly. Uh, The sun will also dry out your skin, which again can lead to the poor desquamation and skin cells uh, can start to cause congestion and follicle blockages. And the third thing is what Haley spoke about, uh, about the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So the reason that getting a tan makes you think that your acne is cleared up is that it can help to even out your skin tone and hide some of the redness. So instead of getting a damaging real tan, just use a safe face tanner Mm -hmm. um, to help even out your complexion. So the really good one, skin safe one that I love is Eco Tan Face Water. And literally just put a few drops on your hands, put it over after your moisturizer. You can do it every day if you like. It's got some beautiful rosehip in there and some really nice oils. And then you've just got that nice golden tan and then you can be okay putting you know heaps of sunscreen on your face and a hat on without feeling like your body's going to get tanned and your face is going to be white (laughs) yeah exactly exactly and you know there's there is a link between you know vitamin d deficiency and acne so we always say protect your face and yeah get get 20 minutes of sun on the fatty parts of your body so Mm -hmm. arms and legs and And, um that can even you know increase your mood as well so Mm -hmm. um another self-tanner face self-tanner um we use the Dermavigil's self-tanner as well, which mm-hmm. is also really beautiful too. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of options while you're healing your acne to help with that overall yeah, skin tone. Mm-hmm. So Karen asked, is Roaccutane good for acne? Okay, big question. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we'd love to cover more on in, in upcoming episodes, but I'll try and kind of condense that uh, the answer. <laughs> so Roaccutane is made up of retinoids, which is a really powerful form of vitamin A, a synthetic form of vitamin A. It works by reducing lipids in the skin. So it's something called a lipid peroxidizer. So essentially dries out the oil from your sebaceous gland, which in turn starves the food that at the acne bacteria feeds on. So, you know, this can be a plus because it's, you know, for a lot of people that clears their acne. However, there's things that are also happening internally while that client is on Roaccutane, which can have some side effects. So one, it can make your skin more photosensitive to the sun, hence why you always have to be very diligent about, you know, um, sun protection 
Um, but then it can also reduce the overall health of your skin. So the clients that I see that have been on Roaccutane or are on Roaccutane usually have quite a pallid, low oxygen, um, waxy kind of feel to their skin. So we have to go back in and, and, and rebuild that barrier. And because there's um, they're reducing those essential fatty acids on the skin. If I've got a client who's on Roaccutane, I do a very gentle topical prescription and get a lot of essential fatty acids back into the skin. And not only is Roaccutane peroxidizing lipids externally, it's also doing it internally as well. So it breaks down good fats for the brain and, you know, good fat is a, um, a source of food for the brain. It also can um, impact our neurotransmitters such as serotonin, hence why some people can experience things like depression and suicidal ideations. And we also need good fats for hormone production. So it can compromise the hormonal system as well as raise your liver enzymes. Hence why if you are on Roaccutane, you should be getting monthly blood checks just to um, see what's going on with your liver. And then in terms of physical side effects, you know, it can cause dry lips, dry eyes, sore joints, and also potential gut issues. So I think the thing with Roaccutane, it's not actually getting to the root cause of your acne. I more think of it like a bit of a Band-Aid fix, unfortunately. And then the unfortunate thing is people get put on a six-month dose of Roaccutane and then, you know, a lot of people rebound with acne, you know, six to a year down the track because they still have hormonal issues and they still have gut issues and haven't gotten to that root cause. So that's kind of condensed nutshell version of Aracutane, but we can go into more detail in, in upcoming episodes. And something also to consider if you are thinking of going on to Roaccutane, which we consult with our clients about, is that it can take three, four months for you to actually see improvements in your skin. And that can actually be about the same amount of time that if you were to work internally and holistically with some amazing skincare, it's about the same amount of time as getting results. One way you are getting long-term results where you're actually changing the function of your skin long-term and one is essentially a band-aid. So that's just something to keep in mind if you are considering the Roaccutane route could be interesting for you to just have a conversation with a naturopath or see what the kind of the other option could be. Yeah, or, yeah. A, or a cornea therapist. And I yeah. love seeing clients before they're just about to go on Roaccutane because I'm like, girl, there's a whole <laughs> other way to do this. And I think one of the reasons we love doing what we do is because we can get safe long-term results that doesn't compromise the health of your skin and also doesn't compromise your health internally as well mm -hmm. um so and again if someone comes in with who's on Roaccutane um you know we always respect what you know what stage of your skin journey you're at so we love to help people who are currently on Roaccutane no and judgment just, no judgment and yeah. make sure we're supporting them internally but then also making sure we're supporting them topically as well mm -hmm. so Lucy has asked does the oral contraceptive pill help treat acne great question yes and again <laughs> a very big one yep. so we'll explore this further in our next episode but essentially if you had acne before going on the oral contraceptive pill then yes it will most likely clear it up due to the chemicals in the pill cutting off communication from your brain to your ovaries which reduces the amount of circulating sex hormones which can contribute to acne 
So when you come off the pill, the connection reestablishes and your sex hormones, mainly the main culprit here is testosterone, increases and this leads to more sebum on the skin. So sebum is oil, if you don't know, and other skin changes which can lead to acne. So we call this post-pill um, androgen surge and this happens between months two and six post-pill. Yeah, and it's not just an excess in oil production, it's the quality of mm. your oil as well. So sometimes an excess, te- too much testosterone in the body can actually make your oils thick and gluggy. And so then it gets trapped in the follicle. So mm. we want nice fluid um, oil coming in and out of the follicle and lining the surface of the skin. So it's kind of like twofold response that's happening in the skin. Yeah. So this this kind of post-pill acne situation can happen to anyone that had acne prior to the pill, but it's also possible to happen to people who never had acne previously. So for the question, yes, the OCP, the oral contraceptive pill, will temporarily reduce your acne while you're taking it due to the flatlining of your sex hormones, but it's not treating the root cause and it's actually causing more hormonal confusion in your body, which can lead to worse acne afterwards. So my advice, if you're on the pill, and you want to come off it, then chat to a naturopath about prepping your body for a few months prior just to make that transition a bit easier. Yeah, and we mentioned it on the previous episode. If you have major gut issues, if you've got a gut overgrowth, if you've got a parasite infection and you go on the pill thinking it's going to help your acne and it doesn't, then that's a sign that you know you need to be working on the gut because it wasn't a strong hormonal driving factor that's causing your acne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Steph asked, are chemical peels good for acne? Ooh, okay. <laughs> you might come to understand that our kind of our our viewpoint on chemical peels when we're not a huge fan of chemical peels just because of what they're doing topically to the skin so in in short i would say no um chemical peels are very acidic and very harsh on the skin barrier so that tingling and burning um sensation that you're feeling on your skin when doing a chemical peel is that your skin's immune system being activated and creating an inflammatory response it's kind of like setting the roof of your skin house on fire Mm -hmm. and then you know wondering why the people inside are screaming is that a good (laughs) analogy (laughs) i'm gonna go with that analogy (laughs) it also means that your skin barrier is damaged that roof is tiles have been removed from your skin house and it's also stripping your skin of those beautiful protective oils it's going in and changing the ph of your skin it's going in and disturbing that healthy microbiome as well so if you go in and get you know one of those intense peels you can actually be removing the first three layers of your epidermis and then you're really just exposing those teenage skin cells underneath so all of those things that are shifting in a negative way when you have a chemical peel will result in worsening of your acne Mm -hmm. so the next question is if you've got acne and oily skin should you moisturize or will it cause more oil and acne okay i wrote this question myself okay (laughs) (laughs) it's something i actually thought when i was a teenager so i just wanted to bust this myth and ask this question um, just in case anyone else is thinking it too. So I hardly ever wore moisturizer as a teenager because I thought it would make my skin more oily. 
And I just want to publicly apologize to my poor skin cells who would have been so depleted and so sad for not getting any moisture. So We, we all did bad things as a teenager. <laughs> if that's the worst thing you did. Our, so our skin needs to be in a moisturized state for things like desquamation to occur, but also for messages and cell-to-cell communication to occur properly between our skin cells. So our skin cells on the top layer, the stratum corneum, they communicate with our skin cells in the lower levels and they relay information from what they are experiencing on the surface. So for example, if our skin is dehydrated, then the top skin cells will tell the lower skin cells that they need more oil on the surface and vice versa. If our skin is extra oily, then the top skin cells will tell the lower that they don't need more oil and the production will subside. So if our skin is neglected and not getting the nutrients and hydration from skincare that it needs, then this communication goes haywire and oil production will not be regulated properly, along with a lot of other functions of your skin too. So essentially me starving my skin of hydration to reduce the oil could have actually increased oil production, Mm, which I wish I knew then Mm. because I probably made my skin one million times worse Mm -hmm from depriving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lauren asked, what is the best thing to put on a pimple? Oh, good question. So this is, I can give a two-part answer to this question. So one, when I'm looking at acne breakouts, I'm always thinking, how can I improve the overall health of the whole facial skin or wherever that wherever that acne is occurring? So there's definitely some key skin healing nutrients that um, we recommend you know you getting through your skincare to support wound healing, to reduce inflammation, to regulate oil production, um, to go in and support the healthy microbiome. So these would be things like linoleic acid, phosphatidylcholine, zinc, um, niacinamide, which is B3, and green tea. Also, jojoba oil is a really great at balancing oil production, and um, the C. acne bacteria can't feed off it either, so it can help to reduce breakouts. But as a spot treatment, I'm thinking things like azelaic acid and even small concentrations of salicylic acid too, which are found um, in the skincare range that we use as well, alongside other very moisturizing, nourishing ingredients. But no toothpaste and no... Methylated spirits. That's what my partner said before. He goes, I just I just used to use methylated spirits on my skin. I was like, oh gosh, this is back when he was a heavy diesel mechanic. <laughs> okay, one more question. Claudia asks, I'm currently using Aire Perez, but are there other makeup brands you also recommend? Yeah, so I personally love Aire Perez. We love Aire, we love Aire Perez. Yeah. <laughs> amazing for acne prone skin, amazing for any skin types. Their oat milk foundation is so, so good. Good. <laughs> Feels amazing on. But other makeup brands that I recommend that are skin safe and also safe for acne prone skins are Inica, Jane Iredale. Bare Minerals, and RMS by Mecca. So they're probably my top five, including Era Perez. Yep. And Inica, I love their eyeliners and mascaras. Mm -hmm. Jane Iredale does a CC cream, which is super full coverage. So if anyone looking for stage makeup or just really full coverage, they do a really good one there. Bare Minerals does a really beautiful powder. And Mm -hmm. then the RMS by Mecca, they do awesome concealers. And so do Era Perez. They also do awesome (laughs) concealers. (laughs) 
So to summarize the last episode and this one, best way to treat acne would be first off, get your skin assessed by a professional so that you know what your skin type is and what type of acne you're treating, as well as determining what products and ingredients are suitable for your skin. So myself, Danika and our colleague Romy, we do this at Solstice Skin, which is my naturopathic skin clinic in Bondi. We also do skin consults online. So if you're not in the Bondi area, then we can still consult with you. Um, And we've been doing this for the last three and a half months during lockdown. I had a client from Canada the the other day. So shout out to her. Mm -hmm. I've I've consulted from the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So distance doesn't matter. We can still help you know, assist with your skin and we can get you on a customized skincare prescription based on what your skin needs. I'd also recommend making sure that your skincare has all of the essential ingredients that it needs to be healthy and nothing that will be damaging. And that's easier said than done because unless you have, you know, Mm -hmm. knowledge in skin ingredients, um, that's why seeing a professional is really important. So check out episode four on healthy skincare um, where we cover all of this. Mm -hmm. And secondly would be to see a naturopath to determine if there are internal things that need to be treated. So most oftenly uh, we see acne is a physical representation of an imbalance internally. So often either with sex hormones, insulin or cortisol, or it can be due to a nutritional deficiency as well. Uh, We haven't spoken about these things today, but we'll be talking about all of that in the next episode. So seeing a naturopath and doing some blood tests or some gut tests or some other pathology just to get some hard evidence on what your body is doing is really, really important for treatment because even with the most amazing skincare in the whole world, Mm. if there is an imbalance internally, your acne won't go away until that's treated. So I see a lot of amazing women with acne. So if you're interested in a naturopathy consultation where we can deep dive and we can find that root cause, um, my website is linked in the show description. So I consult online, so it's easily accessible wherever you are. Yes. So our next episode, we will chat internal driving factors of acne with Danica. So if you have any questions about hormones, stress, gut health, diet, lifestyle factors and how it relates to acne, then send us a DM through our Instagram or email us at the skin series under... No, I think it's just the skin series series pod pod at Uh gmail.com. And And remember, remember, healthy skin skin is always in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to our Facebook page, The Skin Series, or follow us on Instagram at theskinseries underscore pod to join the community or ask us any questions. We would love to hear from you. See you in the next episode.